everyone, welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know, so you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. And welcome, guys, back to the Book and Life podcast. I promised you a surprise extra special guest, and I have her. She is an amazing YA author who's coming on today to blow our minds with her incredibly gifted stories. So without further ado, please, everybody, welcome Mindy. Did I get that right? You did. And how do you say it? And your name is it it Crystal? (laughs) Sorry? Is, and how do I say your name? Is it, is oh, it it's just or? Crystal. Like, um, it's the very simple kind of Crystal. Okay. way of putting it. It's just spelt funny because my aunt was trying to, she was trying to be cute and she was trying to use a phonetic way of spelling it, thinking it would be easier. Actually, she just made it harder. What? So. <laughs> well, I was like, because it could be Crystal, right? Like. <laughs> yeah, I get that. That's the one I get in America all the time. It's like Crystal, and I'm like, Crystal. no, it's like, Crystal. Like, the drink, yeah. really? Yeah. Okay. No, I figured it was Crystal. I just want to make sure. So. Yeah, because like, uh, there's this guy that I know in LA, and he he goes Cristela every single time, and I've cracked him. I think about like 50 million times, and he still goes Cristela, and I'm like, no, not even close, dude. Like. <laughs> I, I sometimes refuse to answer him until he gets it right. So, you know, but that that's the joy of being an author, right? Because you just turn up to an event and people can't mm-hmm. see your name. So. <laughs> so tell us about your latest YA, because 
your agent got me super excited about having you on. Okay. Um, yeah. So my latest is called Riven. Um, it came out in January. It is a standalone fantasy. Um, so there will not be any uh, sequels to it. So if you are one of those people that yeah. wants to wait for the whole thing, you don't have to wait. Um, it, it has an end, a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, a pretty, I, I, I like to think it's satisfying end. Um, and it is about a young, it's a male point of view. His name is Mars um, Darps Thane. Darps Thane. Um, and he is an, uh, an assassin who is trying to get out of the life, um, which is kind of a common theme for some of my books. And he, and one of the reasons why he's trying to get out is that he had a job that, that didn't go so well. He um, had to you know, do his thing pull something in. Um, really shook him. It, it didn't go well and he wants to be done with it. Um, and his boss, his, his mobster boss, calls him back in to do one last job. And that job happens to be to protect the daughter of the man who he just assassinated. So that's kind of where the story starts. Um, the background of the story is kind of odd. Um, <laughs> weird. I like to, to use... Um, weird inspirations for my story, which really have nothing to do with what they actually end up being, but makes sense to me as an author from where I got the idea. And it was inspired by two yeah. particular items. The first one being Iceland. Um, so I can oh, go wow. into kind of where, yeah, where that Iceland thing came from. Um, so the actual country of, which is in Riven is the name of the country. Riven is, is built around uh, Iceland, the way Iceland is. So I, I'm sure you're familiar with um, Iceland being the center of the country is primarily icebergs. So it's, you know, full of really cold. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not inhabitable. So they all live around the outside of it. Um, and so Riven is very much the same, but instead of it being the middle of the country being ice, it is uh, contaminated by magic, by magic that's gone dark and gone very corrupted magic. So it used to be back in the history of this world that they used to live in the center of the island um, and the magic people of the time that the magic holders did something very naughty, very bad, and they corrupted the magic and it kind of had an eruption. Um, and that caused um, the center of the country to go bad and you can't live there anymore. So now it's forced everyone to the outskirts similar to Iceland. Uh, and then I also borrowed um, the Icelandic naming convention, which I find really, really fun how uh, in Iceland, um, they take the last name, their last names are often, they're, they're the son or the daughter of their parents. So um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of CrossFit. I don't know how big that is uh, in Scotland, but it's huge. Um, yeah, it's okay. everywhere. <laughs> okay. So the, there's, a, there's a huge Icelandic um, females uh, in, in, um, in CrossFit. So they're Katrin da David's daughter and um, Sarah Sigmund's daughter and so on. So there's this idea of daughter, right? And they had released this video around the time I was starting this book about daughter and, and how what it was to be a daughter. And I was like, I love this convention, how they're not named. Uh, they're, the, the naming isn't, you, your last name just doesn't follow you, right? It changes based on who you are. And so I really wanted to play with that. So my in my story, instead of daughter, they become daughter if they're a female. And if they're a male, they become vain, so V-A-N-E. 
Uh, and so I really played around with some of that, the language and what it would look like for a story, which is totally not interesting at all to a reader, um, but to a writer is super fun to do. Um, it is super other... fun. And I think, <laughs> I think it's fascinating you picked Iceland because the Shetland Islands is so near to where it is. Because if you look at the map, Shetland is like just down from, or, uh, from the Faroes. And then we, we can actually go straight across to Iceland from where we are. I mean, if we go this way, that way, that right, we hit Norway. Yeah. That's where I was from. Yeah, that's okay, where I grew up. Great. So I grew up right in the Viking hub. So I got, I had all the Viking okay. yeah, mythology so ha- and magic and everything installed in me. Right. Yeah, so it has a very, um, a very Viking, a lot of the, the magic and the history, the rituals, even the, um, if you look at the book, um, the artwork is very Viking-ish, the interior is gorgeous, yeah. um, my, my publisher did a great job kind of really drawing on that, that um, the Viking feel to it, um, although it's, it's, it's weird, my books tend to be not, they have firearms, and they have, they have trains. So it's not like it's, I like to inhabit this not typical space where it's kind of kind of like the um, Napoleonic War space where we have a little bit of, of firearms, but not like enough to have really changed warfare entirely. So it kind of and I like to straddle that um, transient time period. So it kind of reminds me a little bit like Seven, uh, the Crow series meets like Da Vinci, not Da Vinci, yeah. uh, Divergence. That's kind of how it. How it sounds to me, like, you know, the crows and then obviously uh, Da Vinci. Yeah, the Sister uh, Crows, Lee Bardugo. Diver- yeah. Divergent. I, actually... I will say that word right. Divergent. Yeah, both uh, Lee and Veronica Roth are at, with my agency, actually, we share. Um, they, well, Veronica and Lee are with, um, they're with a different agent, but we're in the same house. Um, so we actually yeah. all debuted around the same time. So I'm familiar. Lee and I, have, we've shared a hotel room and, you know, so we have a little bit of some fun there. So I don't know if that's just because we're similar in age and background. I don't know. But yeah, we do kind of. She's maybe rubbed of off on you a little bit and you've just not realized um, it. Not really, because my books were written at the same time. So, you know, I we, oh, okay. again, because we she debuted maybe. 10 months before I did. So my books are already wow. in, in the, yeah, we're already coming out at the same time. So we, we definitely, um, we're, we're contemporaries as opposed to, um, yeah. Um, anyway, That's amazing. But the second- and I, I love like, I love your other stuff. Like I saw some of your stuff with like horses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, so wow, big- that's a girl after my own heart. Yeah. Yeah. Horses are, are a big thing. Um, there's not, there's a little bit of horses in Riven. Um, my main character, Mars, uh, hates horses, actually. So I had some fun there. Uh, there's a scene where he's riding and he, he complains about how hard it is. And the, main, the, the love interest, there's a little bit of a romance. It's not very steamy. Um, I'm not really great at romance. I don't know why that is. I wish I were better at it. I'll have to ask you for some tips. Um, <laughs> she's really good at riding. Her name is Fiora. Fiora. Um, she actually has a, a last name because she's a, a leader of a, a particular area. So she gets to have a real last name that carries on with her, but she, um, she can ride and do all the things and she makes him feel like really inadequate because he can't ride. Um, so there's not as much horses in, in ribbon. My previous series, Onyx and Ivory though, 
um, was inspired by the Pony Express here in the United States. So there's a lot of writing. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. But the second part of Riven, the second inspiration is actually a movie from the 80s, um, which I'm sure many of your readers or your listeners are not familiar with. But it's called Can't Buy Me Love. Um, oh, actually, okay. Yeah. Uh, it was a Patrick Dempsey movie. This is before he was um, really big. This is when he was, he was like a teenager. So he was really young. Um, yeah. And he was, he's a geeky guy and he wants to be popular. So he pays the popular girl, her name is Cindy Mancini in the, in the movie um, to go out with him. And he thinks that that's going to make him popular. So it's basically this pretend love affair. And that's kind of what inspired the idea of Mars having to um, protect Fura is that they actually have to pretend to be lovers in the, the first part of the story and how awkward that is, wow. of course, for both of them, because they're like, oh, I don't like you. And then, of course, Mars is harboring this terrible secret that he actually killed the father. Um, just yeah, to you know, really make things spicy. So There's a lot more to it, but that's how that's the, the promise of the premise, right? That's the beginning uh, where the story launches. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of like readers that will be listening that will be really interested in this because it's something that's a little bit different than what they've been hearing. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, I've got to, got to try this, you know? And that's the great thing about coming on here is you can share like so many different perspectives. Like you can share different recommendations and different books and things like that. So for you, what, what's something that you're reading at the moment that's, really got you hooked really interesting <laughs> sorry we're talking about lee i just finished her second book in the um the um hellbent which is a sequel to um ninth house which is really yeah. good um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying that um and then i picked up the plague stones by james brogdon um he is Ooh. and i think he's irish I don't know, but it came across my, I, I get a book, I get book bub, right? So I'm, I'm looking for, you know, Kindle books or whatever and just kind of expand my horizon. And I've been trying to read a little bit more adult. I've yeah. been wanting to read a little bit more adult of late. I don't know why. Um, and I'm enjoying that one a lot, actually, because um, it's about, um, I love folklore. I love European folklore and Viking and you're, anything that's, well, there's not a lot of you'll have to you'll have um, to visit shetland so you can get a taste of the uh the mythology that's hidden because they actually have a lot of stories that's hidden and uh you come and you see the see the places and you walk that we actually have original viking towns that still exist with the original archaeology is is all there and i swear like when you're standing in shetland you can feel you can feel the norse everywhere like the gods everywhere the magic's there it's like the most magical place and then winter hit, hits and it's like the most unbearable place to be because it's like <laughs> so cold and so dark and you've got snow that are you've got howling winds of a 100 friggin miles an hour and you're trying to get to school and you're like literally holding on to the fences as you're kind of like trying to get there kind of thing um that sounds terrible <laughs> it, 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 in the winter it's awful in the summer it's absolutely <laughs> magical and it's beautiful and then it's like it almost lulls you into a false sense of security and then winter hits you and you're like oh my I god it's like it's like being in bed with a <laughs> yeah. demon it's like what the hell 
Especially if you're lying in, no. this is what happened at my, my parents' house. Um, I was lying in bed and all of a sudden this gust of wind, I have no idea where it came from, came in the room through the bed and I literally must have lapped a foot up in there. And it turned out that the, because everything in Shetland rots because of the, the salt from the sea and the wood for the window was actually starting to come away. So that night when I was sound asleep and the wind picked up, the wind actually came right through the window and I nearly had a heart attack. Oh. I, I thought some that's... really random ghost was climbing into bed with me or something. So I was totally ready to run, yeah. Oh. And it's like, because all of no. the houses have like these big wood-burning stoves in them. That's mm. what heats the houses. And if the wind gets in it, it's like a whistle. And no matter where you are in that house, you can hear this cut off of whistling noise. So yeah. They they actually started um they've put skylights in the Shetland houses because we all have vitamin D deficiencies. Uh because none of us are ever outside because the weather's so bad. (laughs) And there's nothing worse than going for a bath and looking up. And seeing a raven sitting on your window, staring at you. And they just sit there and they stare at you and they don't go away. They just sit there. <laughs> like a peeping tom, but it's a bird. And you're like, yeah. go away. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my, my dad reckons that um, I caused them to have a peeping tom raven. That's awesome. Oh, I love it. I would love to visit. I love I love the sense of old things and just history. And I, I try, yeah. it's why I, one of the reasons I write fantasy is I want you to feel like you're stepping into something that's been there forever and it could go on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I do think that I would like to hope that when a reader step into my world, they do feel like they're getting the full, um, I'm like, um, my motivation in writing is particularly an adult, um, is more the world and the, the, the sense of place, um, which is why I'm probably not as good on the romance uh, because I, I, that's what, that's the hook for me is the place, the sense yeah. of the story and the history. Um, like I, I recently discovered it during COVID actually Lloyd Alexander. I had never read um, oh, the wow. Chronicles of Perdane yeah. until then. Um, I just didn't cause he came out in the sixties and I, you know, just wasn't popular when I was a kid. Um, and I loved it. Love the sense that this was like found history. And I, I try to bring those to my stories and I feel like, um, but also but the history that's like, again, that kind of straddles that not ancient history, but like that in between history and even all this recent what I'm working on now also is straddling. It's kind of a Western, um, it's more, more definitely, it's actually Australian Western. So, uh, that I, would be fun. I love movie. Yeah, yeah. I love movie inspiration, so it, I'm drawing off of uh, the Mantrasnoi River. So it wow. has a very Mantrasnoi River feel to it. Um, See, for me, like, I, I've written romance for for so, so long. Like, you kind of almost fall into this chasm, I would say, with romance, because it's you've got all these different pathways you can choose, but you kind of know where it's going. And mm. I kind of decided, like, I think it was when I started working with Joe, I went, I don't want to do cookie cutter romance. So 
we grew this and this was the 64 book series i was telling you about was we grew a web from all the different characters that were like in the main part of the story and we've given them their own books so they have their own voices so as you kind of learn about the main characters you get the opportunity to follow that main character so if you're like oh i'm a fan of um cameron i'll i'll follow you know you can go and follow cameron's journey through the story from his point of view and it's the same with like we we have it for harold and layla and marie and we just built this kind of little group that the books all kind of revolve around so it was it was something very different and i also focused on conflict because i'm a bit like you i want the place and the the people to be the hook not the romance of it not the possibility of of all that so I looked into, well, what would make these characters do the things that they're doing? What would make them say the things they say? Like, And I didn't want them to be perfect, good guy, bad guy, so I gave them flaws. So I totally get it from where you're sort of saying, like, romance isn't easy for you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, being like, being in that position myself, like, I have Summer of Him out, which is an adult romance that you know, is about an author who falls in love with a wrestler just because they're working together and it just fits. They just end up fitting together. Um, and of course, everyone that's an author knows what romance conventions are like. <laughs> we all know the uh, the mayhem and the madness right. that takes place at those things. Uh, it really is like a party three-day weekend that you're also trying to work and you're also trying to survive. Um and I just thought that was kind of a very fun setting for just a romance to happen. Like you could almost see that situation arising. And I, I take a lot of my inspiration from life. I don't know if you do that too. Like if you're, you're thinking back on your younger times when you were a bit more crazy and you did a lot more things then sometimes like you're like, Oh, that's a really good memory. That would make a really good story. And I kind of pull on that. So there's a lot of my friends that get nervous when I say I have a new book coming out. Because <laughs> they're like, they're like, hmm, I wonder where she got inspiration for this one. Like, <laughs> And being that I have a lot of friends who are famous wrestlers, I do get secret messages going, so where did the inspiration from this come from? Like, you know, is this me? And a lot of them will just come out and ask me, is it me? And I have to like yeah. deny or agree or whatever, you know. You know, um, get a libel suit. <laughs> yeah, like I have to be kind of like so mm-hmm. careful. Like mm-hmm. if if somebody was the inspiration for the book, I do put them in the acknowledgments. I'll be like, totally, this book right. is inspired because of so and so. But I'm very careful now. Like, but they're really awesome. I mean, my friends are wrestling. They they let me away with so much. I couldn't. I honestly couldn't be more grateful like uh just working with the script doctor i'm working with now like i can't say his name but um he's fantastic like he's a genius and he's so detail orientated like that's what i think makes him a fantastic fantasy writer because it's so little details like and that's why i love fantasy writers because they focus on the details just the little things that make it uh, make it an amazing journey and I actually tend to read more fantasy than I do any other genre because that's just like I grew up on fantasy and I grew up on historical so I love it when it kind of like crosses over and you get a little bit of both so 
which is why I was excited about you coming on because your your agent was talking to me and I was like oh wow this sounds like a book I'll love like I'll, I'm gonna go out and buy this book when it comes out like a, that was kind of my reaction to it and I was like yeah I can't wait to have you on and also your fellow horse rider so that was like swing vote because uh, I spent all my younger years riding so <laughs> we I know the pain the pain of of falling off quite well Oh, so yeah, um, the answer to your question is I did dressage, which was actually my strongest area, but I also did show jumping and I worked with Icelandics. And if you know anything about Icelandic ponies, they're mm-hmm. very bouncy, <laughs> very, very, very bouncy. So my horse was actually known as Fiedler, which is a, an Icelandic name, and he didn't like going around cones. So it made dressage really interesting because he'd like to jump the cones. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so like we'd be doing this perfect little routine and then he'd blow it because he would get bored and he'd forget I was on his back and he would just jump a cone. And I would be like, ooh! <laughs> like trying to hold on, like, ooh! The worst time he did it to me was I was in side saddle. So like, it was like, how the hell do you jump in side saddle? You know, because you're like right. literally on one side of his, his stomach, and I'm literally like clenching with my butt cheeks as hard as I can <laughs> to not come off. I'm like, so oh, yeah, um, and I had fun. to learn how to shoot a bow and arrow inside saddle. Oh, that's fun! I've done some mounted shooting. Some we I've I've taken I a couple that, of classes yeah. to do it. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I event, so I do, um, three day eventing, so I do, I don't, we say it dressage, not dressage. I wish, yeah. well, I wish we said it that way. It sounds so much better. Um, it does, it sounds so much posture, doesn't it? Dressage. It does. <laughs> dress, dressage. We, my, my trainer, she also, she'll be making a funny, she'll go, dressage, we're going to dressage today. <laughs> um, yes. And we do stadium, stadium jumping, and then of course the favorite cross country. Yeah. So, um, I have two off the track thoroughbreds that I can campaign, um, my baby. I, my I hate off one. country. Yeah. Off con- <laughs> uh, outdoor. I get lost every time. Oh, no. Even though there's tape, I get yeah. lost somehow. <laughs> like, I literally need somebody at every so many pointers to go. Right, right. You know, with like the hands and the signals and, the, <laughs> you know, because I just get lost and I've never, mm-hmm. like, I, I've competed twice and I've won twice. But I'm pretty sure I got lost. Otherwise, my speed would have been faster. Like, I'm pretty right. sure I took a wrong turn at some point. Because, like, That's the funny. horse knew where it was going. Crystal didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he great. must have known that course so well. Like, um, And, of course, if you have ever get to see this on YouTube, you should look up Shetland Pony Races. If I've seen see them. The, uh, they're wild. They yeah, are. They're so funny. I started that. I started on that. I was I, I was four bet. and a half, yeah, four and a half <laughs> years old, and my mom just stuck me on a Shetland pony. She spanked it across the arse, and it took off. And I'm like, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. No. And ponies are and they're so naughty. <laughs> they are, ponies. and they bite. Ponies are they naughty. love to mm-hmm. bite you. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. Because my mom went for a pee one night. We were all kind of roughing it. Um, 
on I can't remember it was some famous race course because we had showed we had dressage and show jumping the next day so we were all sleeping in the trucks my mom said right I'm going for a pee next thing I hear is this blood curdling scream from outside the truck and she'd gone into the horse box thinking it was empty to use the bathroom and the horse had bit her rear end (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what he thought this big white thing was but he was just like I'll take a bite of that so we open up the we pull the door for the truck open and here's my mom in our like trying to pull her jeans up running around trying to catch my horse because it was my horse that got out and he's he's pure white so if you know anything about showing horses if they're pure white they are a nightmare to keep clean and Mm -hmm. we literally used to bandage his stomach because his stomach could not touch the ground so (laughs) he was like covered in band he looked like this weird mummy horse that was like taking off through the field and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, I don't want to chase a horse at 2.30 in the morning. I'm like <laughs> six or seven at the time. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. So yeah, that's how I spent my, my summers was um, in the backs of cars and trailers going up and down the UK doing horse riding events. That's funny. Oh, crazy. Yeah, I, st- I still do that, so... It's, yeah. it's the most amazing <laughs> feeling though it, like mm-hmm. writing is it's such I always say it's like the best thing you'll ever feel because it's a connection between you and the animal and you can yeah. you cannot find anything like it it's just no, it's a true addiction yeah it's addictive yeah. so I'd be a lot richer if I didn't have horses so I'd be a lot yeah, less poor let's put it that way <laughs> yeah especially in I'm, the United States so yeah I mean I I yeah. laugh because the um I have been injured over the years. We all get injured riding. Uh, but I had my very first concussion on horseback. Yeah, same. So my 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 uncle was driving by on his motorcycle and he backfired. And my horse took off at full speed. Because uh, he got scared. Took off at full speed. And I'm trying to pull him up. And he rips the reins straight out of my hands. And he actually rips the muscles in the, one of my fingers. And dumps me right into a goalpost for like you oh, know no. those football, like soccer fo- football things. It was solid mm-hmm. steel. I went head first in. My helmet broke, and oh. I'm lying on the floor, completely out of it for like ten minutes. And that was my first concussion. Well, at least you're wearing so, a yeah. helmet. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have been. Yeah. I would have been dead if I hadn't. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, being around Shetlands was dangerous. Like, we always had to have chest protectors on and helmets mm-hmm. on. And my friend Chris thought he was like a smart ass. He's like, "Oh, I don't need a, I don't need a chest protector. I don't need a chest protector." And uh, he went up behind the Shetland pony, and he was not paying attention. And the pony pulled his leg back and kicked him straight in the ribs, and he ended up with four oh. broken ribs. And I'm like, "That's why you wear the chest protectors." Yeah. Like, I don't care if it itches. Yeah, they're dangerous. They're They're little demons. (laughs) But they're demons, yeah. Demonic, exactly, yeah. Like, I I have rules. No ponies, no mules. Best decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. No ponies, no mules. Like, yeah. And they're stubborn and they're low center of gravity. You can't, you can't, no, they're a pain. 
My I have two thoroughbreds. I, uh... Um, I have two arrows that oh, are wow. they're older. Um, but yeah, yeah. that's. You should try an Icelandic uh, because the gait of an Icelandic is so smooth. Mm-hmm. It's like you're just skimming water. It's just, right. it's the most amazing. I mean, I've ridden everything from thoroughbreds to, um, you know, some of the biggest Clyde steels. I've ridden every kind of horse possible. But when I got on an Icelandic, just the glide of that gait was just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um. And if you ever looking for ones, I've got a breeder over here that breeds for the States. <laughs> She's amazing. She breaks them and everything. So they're completely used to road traffic. They're completely trained to do dressage. They will come when called. They're a little bit like dogs. They come and they'll, they do want to play though. Don't get me wrong. You will, they will want to play like fetch and stuff, but they are <laughs> super like friendly and stuff. Cause like, when my husband met my horse before I, I moved away, he was playing fetch with my horse at the back of the stable yard while I was paying my fees. <laughs> I come out and he's like throwing the stick and my horse is running it's and adorable. grabbing it and bringing it back to him and dropping it. And then he was like sitting there waiting for him, like just like a big dog. And Ian was just in heaven. Like he did the same thing. We went to the riding uh, disability center where I where I was training. Um, I actually got invited to be part of the international dressage classes there, and uh, so he was playing with my horse before I got on him. The only problem was then my horse wanted to play and not do class, so and not do work. Yeah. I ended up fighting. <laughs> yeah, I had to fight him the entire hour. Because he just kept wanting to go back to Ian because he knew Ian had polos. And if you know anything about horses and polos, yeah, not a good mix. They are <laughs> addicted to them. So they were, he was like, the horse was trying to get up onto the platform to get these polos that he knew was in Ian's pocket. And I'm like, <laughs> seriously? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had to do everything from breaking to horse care because we we learn all in the uk like to get your certificates you have to go through all aspects um right so yeah that i hated doing do you know the around the world exercise Mm-mm. where they test to see what your arm and your your core strength's like Mm-mm. well you basically no. take your feet out you take your feet out the stirrups okay and then you have to go around a complete hundred you have to go oh, all the way around okay yeah mm-hmm. and then you also have to dangle over each side and pull yourself okay. back up. And you cannot touch the ground at all. I hate I, that test. I hate it with a passion. Because I'm tiny anyway. And then the horse <laughs> is like, he's never sure that I'm there. Point one. Because I weigh so little. So sometimes the horse looks up as if to say, wait, is she still there? Did I lose her? <laughs> so yeah because my my when there was when i first did my first jumping lesson i came off and i was sitting in the dirt and he just kept going round over the jump thinking i was still on it still on him and i'm like are you kidding me i'm like sitting right here <laughs> you're looking <laughs> at me as you're passing by that's funny i was like oh well he got his exercise that day if nothing else <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I love it I love it and especially when you get if you 
I think the great thing about the show is you get to meet, like, learn more about authors that you wouldn't necessarily know. Like CrossFit, I knew nothing about CrossFit till I met up with my wrestling friends. I'm an ex-dancer, mm-hmm. so my cardio is completely different to theirs. And we went to CrossFit, and I swear to God, they nearly killed me. I oh, like, I know. Holy I know. Crap. I was like, this right. is nothing like how I train. This is nothing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, so you're going to come back? And I'm like, <laughs> wait, I have to come back again? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was, there was some of it I was better at than they were. And then there was other parts. I'm just like, how the, right. are you, how? Well, that's what, yeah. Kind of. That's what I like about it, though, because like it does a little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I'm an inventor, because I don't want to, I want to do all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, the one, the one thing that I thought was hilarious was I had better balance than them, and I am the clumsiest mm-hmm. person you'll ever meet. So they're, like, throwing <laughs> the ball back and forth, and I'm on one leg, and I'm just like, okay, this is easy. And they're all kind of, like, swaying as if they're on, like, a boat at sea, and I'm like, how is this hard for you? Like, and then I was like, "Oh wait, I'm a dancer, so this is like natural." You also ride, yeah. You ride yeah. though. You have to have balance. So like, to this ride. is natural for me, yeah. Right. So they, they, yeah. yeah. But then they kicked my ass in every other aspect. Yeah, like throwing around all the weights. Yep. Yeah, and then here I am with like the baby weights. <laughs> yeah, they love making fun of me because I have like the skinniest chicken arms going. And then the fact that I've worked with horses and stuff, they're like, how do you not have more muscles? I don't know. <laughs> like, I carry my own saddle. I throw my own stuff on. It's not like I don't, you know? Right. And the saddles are not, they all think they are like, but they weigh nothing. Mm-mm. But saddles are intensely heavy, I think. Depending on the kind of saddle you've got, but British standard saddles right. are nowhere near as heavy as your Western saddle. Yeah, the first time I mean, I, I, I ride English. Saddle down, yeah. I was like, oh, I know. Yeah, I, I thought my arms so were literally going to come off. I was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first, my saddles weigh of course, more every... because of my stirrups, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I have titanium the stirrups, so they're heavy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the same. Light, I had but... to have titanium as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can only ride British. Like, when I'm here in the UK, I ride British. But if I'm in the States, I will ride Western because their horses are more used to Western compared to sort of the, the British saddles, I think. So well, I've depending had a on where you ride. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't I, ride I Western. I ride it all English. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. It depends on the farm. So, well, there are some farms that are very Western. Um, and then there's some that it, it, we're very disciplined, um, we're kind of religious in our disciplines. So I don't do any Western yeah. writing unless <laughs> I absolutely have to. Um, cause I, number one, I can't, I don't like the Western saddle. It's too restrictive and I can't get stirrups that fit cause I'm short and they're, yeah. the stirrups don't adjust. Um, and then, I'm you the know, Western, you. But, I have yeah. tiny legs, tiny legs, yeah. like. I'm fine. I, I just you can't jump in a western saddle, right? Because there's a no. horn, a saddle horn. It's not a good idea. Um, so I, I yeah, ride I on, tried you know, it. I tried English. it. It it hurts. It hurts. 
there's, there's no just, getting around it. It hurts. It, yeah. yeah. You can't. The two pointing, um, nah, it's not really a thing. Not, not at all. Western saddle. So, no, no. I don't know how the guys can do it. See the bronc riders that have the Western saddles and they're getting like thrown forward and stuff. I'm like, dude, you gotta mm. wear a cup or something because I know how yeah. sore that is. And I, because I've done it. Like, right. Yeah. But what they've, what they've done for the disabled saddles now over here is a lot of them have, like, small handles at the front to help you up. Mm-hmm. And uh, the amount of times I've hit that full on because I forgot it's there and I start trotting and I go straight into it. Ooh, does that hurt? Because it's yeah, solid. Sure. It's like, it's steel. And I'm like, <laughs> I need a minute. I need a minute. You know, just start taking off around the corner, you know. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I, yeah, so I, I love it. I just love anything horse related. That's me. I'm just total mad, mad head for animals. But that's the thing. Growing up in Shetland, you ride all the time. So. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's definitely, yeah. And I, it's, it's, you know, it's a luxury in Europe. Um, even your laws are so much kinder for, for animals in the, in the United States. It's not, it's not horse friendly at all. Um, so it's very difficult, um, to have horses are expensive. And so it's a, you know, it's a, there's a reason why all my stories, why I like European history and not that I want to defect to Europe, but I I like where I live. I love the United States and my, my state is, is quite nice. Um, you know, I have seven acres. So there's more room. <laughs> so my yes. horses are, you guys have quite much well. more room. Yeah. 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 So, which is nice for horses, especially, but, um, but yeah, the view, but so even I, I, one of my employees that, that one of my previous employees that worked for me was from the UK and he would talk about how even on television, they would just add, they would just play horse sports on television. Just, and he'd see it all the time. He'd come down and watch me show sometimes and just odd because yeah. that does not happen in the United States. <laughs> like you don't just flip through the television and all of a sudden there's horse stuff. Like, but apparently yeah, that was a thing. Huge in the UK, here. So. Yeah, it's huge yeah. here, and it's it's weird because it's never gone away. And I think because the royal family yeah. supports all the horsing events, yeah. it, it's continued on. Like I don't know if Prince Charles is going to keep it going or King Charles, sorry, but um, the Queen was really behind it. She had her own stables. She had her own breeders. Right. She had. She liked to try and keep up with everybody. Like, she liked right. to be the best racer in the world and have the best dressage horses. And her daughter was, she competed all the time. Yeah, she she was and, just here in the United States, actually. Um, yeah. I forget which one it was. Um, she, she's, she's, she's an eventer. She adores it, yeah. She, yeah, yeah, she so, absolutely adores it. And I mean, but I, I also think, think it's, it's just it's, because it's... Yeah, I, it's part of the culture. It's part of the history too, which um, I think is part and of it's, it. It's weird because when you, it's such a part of the culture in England, but if you're up in Scotland, it's not really. Like mm-hmm. we're lucky in Shetland because we have horses absolutely everywhere because we never really got over the use of. Oh well, the you know you couldn't really ride your bikes everywhere, so kids would ride horses. You know, like in the countryside, if you were out in the country, you rode animals because it was cheaper than buying bikes. You know, you can grow into a horse and you don't have to replace it every year just because somebody had a growth spurt. So a lot of right. the, like the farmers would rent out their, their ponies to the kids and they would use the 
ponies to go to each other's houses um and that was what it was like for growing up for me like i don't know how many horses i jumped bareback onto and just rode down the street to go to my friend's house you know like that was just a thing i mean they still have the old horse riding rings outside the primary school some of the primary schools for actually latching your horse up during the day which i think is awesome because the kids play with them outside and they practice their roping and doing up safety ropes and halters and stuff like that like we did all that at school with them it was amazing like because i've just been back during the pandemic i went back to teach because they like called back teachers and stuff for during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and i went i went back as a learning support teacher and i was just sort of doing that with them and i yeah it was absolutely incredible because i worked with children with disabilities that was my specialty so um i always got the kids with adhd because I have lots of energy usually. And I got <laughs> kids that were just slightly quirky, like they weren't sure if they were dyslexic or not. So they would stick them with me and then I would report in, yeah, they're dyslexic or no, they're not. Um, and the great thing in Jetland is the Nordic still exists. So the very old, old Norse still exists and it's still spoken. Um, you can actually see it on YouTube. There's a girl that I know Mario Mario Lynn does it uh, for the BBC and uh, she actually like does what it's like to party in Shetland how you go to a house party and you wake up three weeks later and you're like wait where did three weeks go because <laughs> you've been there the entire time like it just vanishes time vanishes in Shetland it's awful um, so yeah she like does things like that like really quirky videos like what do you not say when you're dating in Shetland Wait, I think you're related to my cousin. Like, for instance. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or, or let me check my family tree. And you take out, like, the laminated family tree. <laughs> that, that was a funny joke when I turned... Yeah, like, I was 16 and my grandfather gave me a small laminated family tree. Just so uh-huh. that I wouldn't date. I wouldn't date or kiss any boys I was related to. That's great. I'll have to do some more researching on the islands. I mean, obviously, I know it. I just haven't done, yeah, I haven't done a lot of um, honing in on it. it. Like I said, Iceland, yeah, I have to have something has to just grab me and Iceland grabbed me again because of the, um, well, I started with that video because I, you know, I follow CrossFit and you have to look up that daughter and that, that daughter video is all of Iceland. It's not just CrossFit, but obviously the CrossFitters are in it. But then um, that's what got me into wanting to look at the island itself and then wanting to build a fantasy world out of this, this thing of what, yeah. what would cause the island to be uninhabitable. Um, that was a lot of fun. I like to do what if. That's how I write. It's just like, what if this? And then kind of just thought experiments. You, end, going, you can well, write yourself happened. into like a spiral with that though. Like I have yeah. learned that lesson the hard way. Like I feel so lucky to have a co-author because particularly when we were doing Marie's world, I would write myself into holes all the time, all the time. And he would come back yeah. to me and be like, this is how you get out of it. Like, I see when <laughs> you've gone, this is mm-hmm. like, you know, let's take a turn here and then we'll get back on track. Or he is really good at saying, all right, you're going over the cliff. So I'm going to take the wheel now and we're going to take a right turn and you're not going to go off the cliff today. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I could have done it without him. I think it more about just finding 
it's about the idea generation, you know, like things that interest me and to find the stories that I want to tell. Right. So it's like, you know, um, just where my story ideas come from are are kind of the, Oh, what if we took this and it became that, you know, and I'm, I'm always looking for those kinds of possibilities. It's partly why I like the time kind of stories I do. So like one of my current obsessions is the TV show from, have you heard of this show? Okay. Yeah. I've heard of it, but I've not gotten to see it yet. Oh my gosh. Did you ever watch the TV show lost when it came out? Yes, I did. Okay. So I I, I remember because, it's Ian Solomander was the the draw for me on Lost. Yeah, because so I I, I love the first vampire days. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I loved the first couple of seasons. It ended badly because they didn't know what they were doing, um, and which is always disappointing. Because I, I for me as an author, I think that your ending is the most important thing, and I think that yes, uh, every story yes. needs to end. Um, and if a story doesn't end, then it's not a story. So like. Um, you know, series that go on forever, like TV series in particular, like, you know, as sad as it is, I like it when they do end because I feel like it, that we need that. We need a sense of closure uh, and Lost yes. really failed to do that. And it's because the creators didn't know what they were doing. They were just throwing stuff at the wall. And if you listen to JJ Abrams and how he creates in his little mystery box, like he was just playing the game of what what's interesting, what's interesting without any sense of where he was going. Well, From yeah. is a lot like Lost, but 10 times better. And I feel like the story creators have a plan. Like they know where they're going. They have a sense of the actual mythology built in already. It's so, yes. so good. It's partly why I'm reading more adult, uh, adult horror in particular. That's why I picked up um, the Plague Stones because I'm just wanting to scratch that itch um for supernatural sci-fi um fiction have you tried the um the book eaters by sunny dean yet the book eaters i've seen it i have not tried it oh i i'm not a big fantasy horror it was incredible it was incredible I just loved the the concept she took and she created with it and she ran okay. with this like whole other there is a very strong feminist vibe to it but mm-hmm. the idea and the concept of class there's class in there she addresses different equality issues like in education and jobs and how their world is failing and why they're why the world's failing but as a standalone it is incredible and it's such a fast read too like I think it's 194 okay. pages and it just goes like that. Oh, wow. It just it's so okay. fast. And I was like at the end of it before I really knew that I was at the end and I'm like, Oh, this this yeah, top five out of five for me for sure, yeah. I'll have to check it out. I couldn't yeah, recommend I... her enough. Yeah, I couldn't recommend her enough. And you really feel like you're in the English countryside too, throughout the whole thing. Or at least I felt yeah. like I was in the English countryside throughout the whole thing. Well, you would know better, right? I've never been there, so I would. <laughs> no, but you definitely you, you get like the because she takes it to Glasgow, she takes it into Scotland, and you just get it. You instantly get that connection because you can almost see the places instantly, and her mm-hmm. visuals that she creates is incredible, and incredible. Must yeah. by by Suni Suni Dean is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, Sunny D. Yeah, yeah. Sunny Sunny Dean. Okay. Yeah, I've seen. I love yeah. the. She's artwork an incredible on it. writer. I, 
Okay, yeah. I'll definitely check that one out. I I do love. I enjoy horror. Um, See, uh, I didn't know it was horror when she, when it was sent to me. I thought it was just fantasy. Yeah. And I'm reading it, and my... I'm like, ooh, this is darker <laughs> than I thought. And the more I read it, the more yeah. I realized, oh, wait, I'm reading a horror here. Like, the, totally, they totally kind of blindsided me with it. I was not, it was not what I was expecting at all. Yeah, I, I have a little bit, all my stuff has a little bit of dark in it, too. So just be warned if you, when you dive into my stuff. Um, oh, I will be diving. It's not, it's not true. Concerned. It's not true horror. Um but it definitely, I, I have a love of Stephen King and a love of, Brom has definitely yeah. got a lot of horror in it. Um, I like things yeah. that scare, I like suspense. I, I, I think more really. I like the suspense <laughs> too. Yeah. 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 I write suspense. My stories have a lot of suspense in them. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm full of anxiety. I think, <laughs> I think that I'm, I, I have a lot of anxiety. It's a good place to put it though. If you put it in your books, it's a great yeah. place to put it. Like yeah. when. Because my YA, my first ever YA is coming out on September 30th. And it's scary for me because this is my official stepping my foot outside of romance. And I kind of went for Selkies and Celtic and Welsh mythology that ends up in America. In this small little town called Reading, California. And this girl has no clue that she's part of this magical kind of group that's ended up in Reddit. Mm. And she gets completely sucked into it. And she's like, her whole life has been destroyed. She lost her parents. She kind of has a memory of what happened, but she's not sure. She's now living with her grandmother who's keeping secrets. And she's then trying to keep secrets from her grandmother. And it's just like, it's like conflict upon conflict upon conflict. And now she's got this new boyfriend and he's not quite what he seems and now there's this weird brother here and her best friend's right. acting weird and it just kind of all builds around her to the point of just like i build it and build it to the end and then it's like poof i just like light a match and watch like everyone go ah. but um what i did was that made it different is i actually used diary entries so oh, okay. you get to like have a little feeling of the other characters that's in there because you get to hear mm -hmm. their diary entries I just wanted to do something a bit different because you don't really see that in fantasy. So I'm like, hmm, I could take diary entries and put that in fantasy and see how that works kind of idea. So it's my first kind of like, hmm, I wonder if this is going to be a good or a bad one. So yeah. But right. I, I called it the Orchid Guild because it, a lot of the times when Celtic and Welsh mythology would cross over, it was always through the flower, the orchid. And I just thought that seemed perfect. And then I, I don't know how I found Reading, California, but it just like popped in my head one day, like, cause I'd been in LA and I think a friend of mine had said she'd been in Reading and she sent me pictures of Reading. And I thought, wow, this is a really, really gorgeous town. And that was it. Like it just seemed to match up perfectly. So yeah, mine's is a little crazy. Selkies, they're basically <laughs> vampires. Okay. Yeah. Bit different. Bit different. That works. That you got to try different. Like, it's fantasy. I have vamp vampiric dragons in Onyx and Ivory, so it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like it's not, we don't do it with everybody, you know? Like, right. But I, right. I just thought it was like, it was interesting because not, when you talk to people about mythology, they don't generally know about Selkies. 
because like right. selkies are like you know um so i guess like that was my dipping my toe in see like i wonder if this would work you know kind of thing so um yeah, my my first one comes out September thirtieth, and I am super nervous. Super nervous. Give me give me Same. romance any day of the week, um, but stepping outside of that world is terrifying for me. Yeah, see, and I would be terrified to write romance. I would, I would. Even though I love it, I love to read romance actually. Um, yeah, I haven't. I haven't I'll, read many. I'll have to get. I'll have to get you hooked up with Marie's world because I think you'd love just like the because it's contemporary fiction. It's not romance, but contemporary fiction mm-hmm. that's set upon a, a family drama that just goes completely haywire when it shouldn't have gone haywire yeah. like one thing could have resolved it defused the whole thing before it got to where it got um and i love yeah. the fact My- it's like twins turning on each other so you got mm-hmm. Layla releases her twin marie's diaries to the world so every private thought marie's had is now public domain public kind of consumption and she's famous. She's a famous dancer. And of course, that comes with consequences um, wow. for Marie, you know, and then Marie's got to decide, well, can I go back and protect my twin or do I want to go back and kill my twin? <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't blame dilemma. her for the whole, the yeah, like, right. I don't blame her for that. Like, I was like, I kind of, um, I'm kind of with you on that one, Marie. Like, I would want to kill her, you know, uh, but yeah, like, I think. There's so many new genres coming out as well now in writing. It's it's a really lovely time to be an author because our world is expanding right. like every day. So tell yeah, us a little bit just... about how you balance writing in your world. Like how do you go about doing everything you want to do but also having time to put the books together? Yeah, so um, to be honest, I, it's a lot of sacrifice, right? So there's a lot that I don't do yeah. that I want to do in order to do the writing. Um, a lot of it is focus time. Um, so trying to, I, I rely on, and this is a very, probably more of a um, an actionable response than maybe an esoteric. I don't, so I'm not sure what, you're, what people are looking for, but... I actually use uh, the Pomodora technique to get my writing done. So, and this is the most effective way for me. I, um, since you and I are actually on a video, I will show you, but I don't know. I'm sure your podcasters don't. I'll describe it. People listening won't see it, but I used a, um, here's an example. You can see. Oh, I use this. So what I'll do is a little fuzzy so each a block little bit, but i can make it out yeah yeah little each little block that you see there the little circle is 25 minutes worth of work and what i'll do is wow. those are called sprints those are writing sprints um or yeah. work sprints so i'll work for 25 minutes yeah. i'll set a timer um i have a, a timer on my phone and the goal is to try and do 25 minutes uninterrupted um and then yes. take a five minute break it's really, really hard, especially because I'm, you know, I've got kids, I've got, you know, getting a dogs. block of time to do it is hard. Dogs, horses. Yep. Um, my horses are outside my window, so I can hear them when they're being naughty. So or the phone ringing, you know, there's, there's all kinds of distractions, but the idea is to try and get yeah. four of those in a day, like immediately, like in a stretch. And that really helps me get the writing done. Um, and that's how I got through my, my, I just finished the first draft of my 
my next book. I'm working on the revision of it right now. Um, wow. That's really how I got through it. Um, is relying on that pretty heavily helps. It, it's just that dedicated focused time. Um, and it's where I try and push everything else that's vying for my attention aside. Um, and I found that usually four to five, 25 minute sprints is about my peak. If I go much longer, yeah. um, my tank starts to run empty. So that if I'm drafting now, when I'm revising editing, it's a little bit different, but the actual like beginning first discovery draft, that's usually how I'm writing my stories. Yeah. I'm, I'm so kind of very, like, I'll, a very I have a set pragmatic time that I'll write probably. And I'll say to Ian, right, from this time to this time, don't talk to me. You're in charge of answering the door. You're in charge of the cats. You're in charge of everything because I need to do this time writing. Right. And he looks at me as if to say, are you crazy? Like, you're going to take, and I, it's a four, I will do a four hour block, but I'll go and I'll take like pee breaks and coffee breaks. So I'll like do an hour, get up, go make coffee, pee, come back right again right um and th that's only once i plotted it all out and once i have all my notes mm -hmm. written down once my notes are all written down it's a case of just turning the notes to make sure that i'm still on track or if i get stuck i know where i'm at um right but there's been some books where like i get to a point where i'm like ah i need joe and then i have to like book in a time with him to be able to do that his part and be like, okay, I've got a fight scene here that makes no sense. Can you help me fix it? And then he'll sit right. with me for like an hour and we'll just fix it. Um, but for me, it's like I have to try and work it around all the other stuff. Like whether it's mm -hmm. I'm working on the podcast or whether I have university work or whether I'm writing a script or whether <laughs> whether I've got meetings. Like I have to try and fit the writing in around everything that we're doing. And it's... So that's why I like sharing that because so many authors, they, they start out and they get overwhelmed because they don't mm -hmm. understand, like, we're all spinning plates. Like, we have our real life plate and then we have, like, promotions and we have edits and we have writing and we have travel and we have a viewings and, or, sorry, like, appearances and stuff. You know, so it's all these plates have to keep going and you can't drop any. And yeah. sometimes that sucks, you know, because you've got, you've got to be really good at just sort of prioritizing and managing. Right. I feel, I feel my... incredibly amazed that you do it with kids, horses and dogs and partner. Like that just blows my mind. Well, and I also have a day job. So I'm really yeah. unique in that I'm very, it, it's very, and it's kind of, it's a catch 22. So um, I work a nine to five. I work for actually, I'm a, yeah. I'm a civilian for the air force here in the United States. So I, I not only oh, work wow. day job, but I work a pretty intense, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional. I'm a, I'm a program manager. I do, I do some pretty, pretty demanding stuff on top of this. So, and the, it, it is a struggle. And on the one hand, yeah. and part of the reason, <laughs> part of the reason why I do that is because I have horses, right? I got to pay, got to pay to support the habit. Um, you know, so it's, yeah. it is about the money. I, I work because I need the money to, to live comfortably here in the United States. And, um, you know, and to be able to, I, I don't, money from writing is not, it's not stable and I'm, I'm pretty risk adverse. I want to know that I can make, pay, you know, pay my mortgage. I want to be able to, you know, healthcare, all those things. Those are all, you know, I, that, that's a priority to yeah. be able to do that first. So that's why I keep the day job. Many of my writer friends that I debuted with, 
um, quit their jobs when they got their first advances. And, um, you know, some of them have had to go back to work. Some of them struggle. Some of them have partners that really support them, but don't have this very expensive hobby. And then to be fair, I've had horses. I've had my, my first horse. I got her when I was 12 and she's still alive. So, um, she's very yeah. old, but so yeah. I, I had the horses way before I had the riding career. So it wasn't like there was a lot of choice there. So, um, yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. So my, if I were in a position where I felt like I could jump off the deep end and, and devote a hundred percent to being a creative writer, I probably could be more successful in terms of what I'm producing. Um, so it's a balance, right? So I, I'm not as quick to produce balance, the books. Yeah. yeah. Not as quick to produce the books. Um, as I could be if I didn't work. But at the same time, I don't know that I would be sane. <laughs> I'm already a little insane. Um, but I don't know that I would be <laughs> I know the feeling. Sustainable. Right. I'm a little nuts. But I would be really nuts if I had to worry about, you know, paying the mortgage and when is my next royalty check, when is my next advance. Um if I had that on exactly, top of yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not having the steady paycheck. So so, and that a lot of writers, unfortunately, you know, people that are aspiring and they want to, you know, they're, they're hoping to be the next, you know, Stephen King, JK Rowling. They don't want to hear these stories, right? These are painful stories. The reality of working and being a working writer is, um, it's not shiny. It's not the Cinderella it's not story you want to hear. It's not glamorous. It's not glamorous. Yeah. Um, and, it's a, it's but, a lot but of hard you, work. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's you really know, painful, and, especially, and I, yeah. Yeah, I say that to everybody, like, we, we are glamorized, I think, in, in mm -hmm. terms of, like, certain people, they'll, like, do videos of them with, like, chefs, you know, or people mm -hmm. cooking for them, or clean, you know, while they're sitting looking perfect and writing, and that's just <laughs> right. not the typical writer, Reality. because we're all, you know, yeah, we all have jobs or we all have partners that support us or we you know there's always responsibilities on us we all go to the drug store we all go to the grocery store we all do 101 things um right and that's what i keep trying to like remind them like i'm an indie author with one of the rarest contracts in the world but i understand that my job is not steady like my income is mm -hmm. not steady and i have to take measures to make sure that I don't put myself in, 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 in a bad situation. And my husband's really good for that. Um, but right. yeah, like it's, it's weird. Like, you know, I just don't like sitting still and I can't creatively not be creative. So I think that's kind mm -hmm. of why I'm now doing scripts and working with different people. But, um, for me, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't walk away from it now. Like I've, same, I've learned the same. hard way. Yeah. 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 And I, I probably should, right. Like in terms of the actual, um, you know, and I, I mean, I get paid for my books. Don't let's not, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm not an, an indie writer. I do. I am with the, you know, yeah. one of the big five. Um, and I get paid advances and they're, they're pretty, they're really pretty decent advances too. Like, you know, I know that there are plenty yeah. of writers that would love to be, have had some of the success that I've had. And so I, I'm grateful for that, but Compared to what I make in my day job, <laughs> no yeah, comparison, exactly. right? Like yeah. I could totally give this up and be like, yeah. Um, so I don't do it for the money. Um, 
and not certainly we not at this point in my it. career as, as far as I've been into it. Yeah. I really, truly just continue to do it because I have to, like, I have to tell stories. Um, I love, 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 love story. I love to write. Um, I love to hear from readers and there is definitely a lot of gratification when I hear from readers, but even that is not enough to keep you going. Right. It's just yeah. not the, the thing that keeps you going is the story. Um, because there's so many reasons not to do it. There's so many reasons to quit. Um, especially as you get older and you, and once you realize that, that, that once you realize that that Cinderella stories that you hear all the time, you know, you know, um, JK Rowling and the her first book is a mega bestseller or, or Stephanie Meyer or you know, mega bestseller, blah, blah, blah. You know, those are the stories you hear all the time. And you don't hear the story of every other writer that doesn't have the big bestseller and that really is just a working writer and that, you know, struggles and, you know, you, you don't hear those stories, but then once you realize that that really is probably going to be your story because those people are literally the lottery winners. So the, your chances yeah, of making are, it, yeah. yeah, your, your ratio, especially now with, with the way that it is so easy to write books, you know, uh, there's computers, there's self-publishing. It's, it's so much easier yeah. to get your content out there. So the percentage of people that are publishing compared to people that are getting that massive success, that ratio is the equivalent of not quite as high as winning the lottery, but it's pretty high. So it's just facts, right? So, um, and that's just how it is, right? And so you, so really, if you're doing this, do it because you love it. Do it because you, you know, you have a story to tell and that they're worth telling. They're stories that are worth sharing and. um, Exactly. That they are important to to share. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been amazing having you on and i can't wait for you to come back with your latest release because we love having people who come back so i will definitely be looking forward to having you back i hope you've had some fun and this hasn't been a stressful hour i'm sorry froze promotion it's been nice and chilled and relaxed and you don't feel like you know that you're kind of like stuck doing it because i know i know what that feels like you know that that hour where you have to go do media and you're just like oh you know, because mm-hmm. like nine out of ten people have no idea who you are, and you know, you just end up <laughs> like rolling your eyes because you've had the same question no. like fifty million times. Um, no, there, I'm so humble. So this is the great thing about this. Yeah. No, I'm so I'm so humble. I eat humble pie every day. It's fine. <laughs> just, yeah, like we all do, but yeah, it's like it's fine. nice to have a conversation <laughs> that's just a conversation, not like oh, where you're thinking, Chris, Chris oh. Will. You know, are they going to do, are they going to use the right quote here or there? You know, it's nice to just mm-hmm. be able to relax for once with media and not have to worry so much. So, right. Yeah. It's the upside. It's the upside to doing the podcast, I suppose. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, this was please, very fun. Feel, please feel free to come back. And uh, yeah, we'll um, need to keep in touch. And I'll, I'd love to see how you're getting on. And I will definitely email you my review once I've done it. Because I absolutely okay. adore like just telling people like, whoa, I really love this or I really love that. So, um, yeah, I really look forward to, to talking to you more. So, guys, stay tuned next week as we have another amazing surprise guest coming on that I wasn't expecting but came in as last minute booking. So, yeah, you'll want to stick around to see who that is. Sorry, Crystal, it's frozen. Sorry, I...
What? I, I'm sorry, I had some lag there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's funny. All right, well, <laughs> I wish... Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I'm lagging again. Oh, I'm sorry. This is country internet out here. Okay. My kids are probably awake and using the, we have broadband or um, DSL. So everything starts to slow down when it, when they get up and start using it. Still waiting. Hello. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm at 96. All right. Well, thank you very much. No, mine just went up to 97. So. Okay. Is that it for us? No. <clears throat> okay.
I have my husband checking to make sure the kids aren't doing anything on the internet. <laughs>
Say again? 